Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. I'm Jack Luke and today I'm joined by Tom Law, Bike Radar's mountain bike video presenter and Alex Evans who's dialing in from the beautiful Tweed Valley. And today we're going to be talking you through SRAM's new GX Eagle transmission group set and everything you need to know about it. And before we get started, Tom Law, give us the top five things we need to know about this group set. There are lots of very exciting things that you need to know about this group set. So first of all, it is going to be substantially cheaper than their XO transmission, which was the previous entry into the range. So it's going to cost you £1,180, $1,099 or €1,300 for the entire group set, which is about £600, $600, €600 less than XO transmission. So it's still not cheap by any means, but it is a lot cheaper. There's also, of course, the fact that it uses their derailleur hanger interface, the universal one. So if your bike doesn't use that, you're not going to be able to use it. Uh, There's a revised gearbox and battery placement as well, which is claimed to improve durability. And it retains many of the features of other transmissions, such as the lack of adjustment screws, user replaceable components, the flat top chain and the X-Sync chainring and cassette teeth profiles and it is designed to work as a system as with the other transmissions and of course it's not backwards compatible with any of the older axis drivetrains. Now if all of that meant absolutely nothing to you do not worry because Alex Evans our man who uh, covered the previous well I say previous generation the first generation the first launch of transmission group sets is here to tell us what the heck is transmission and how it compares to SRAM's existing group sets and to be honest kind of mountain bike group sets as a whole. Alex Evans. <laughs> Blimey, no, not much of a task then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, I'll, just, I'll just compare all, all mountain bike group sets. No, no stress. So transmission is a whole new thing from SRAM, basically. What they decided to do was rip up the mountain bike drivetrain rulebook and start again. Um, and in doing so, they've removed derailleur hangers so frequently, you know, people will have a have a have a bicycle, and um, there'll be a bespoke derailleur hanger for each frame, um, and that can kind of bring in with it its own issues. So you know, your derailleur hanger gets bent, or it's slightly out of spec, or the way it attaches to the frame is different, and each bike has got its own thing. Therefore, SRAM said your derailleur needs to have screws in order to compensate for these differences in derailleur hangers. So you've got your high and low limit screws and your B tension screws. And these are all used to set your derailleur up along with cable tension. What SRAM did with their universal derailleur hanger, which is now referred to as a bit of a Trojan horse. Um, <laughs> that's a really good, that's good. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it kind of um, 
hoodwinked, I guess. Uh, I guess it didn't. I think they're probably quite complicit in the whole thing. Bike manufacturers into <laughs> standardizing their rear dropouts. Um, and basically all mountain bikes with a universal derailleur hanger. Of which there are exactly many, many, many now. Yeah, there are absolutely loads. So this was first introduced in 2019, I want to say. I think we spotted it at Eurobike um, the last time I went. God bless. <laughs> um, and uh, so it, it basically standardized the dropout across all bike frames um, that have this have this system. Um, and, you know, fast forward a few years, and basically what SRAM has done is mount their brand new transmission drivetrains to the bike's uh, frame directly. So got rid of the derailleur hanger completely. Um, and then the wheel axle screws into the derailleur's full mount, which is what the system's called, basically coaxially mounting the derailleur to the bike frame. And because this standardizes the gap between the derailleur, the cassette, the frame, and everything else, it means that you don't need adjustment screws. Um, so kind of in short, that's what transmission has done. There've been a few other little neat bits and bobs, like they've moved to a flat top chain, they've changed the cassette ratios, um, the extinct tooth profile is a little bit different. Um, but the kind of the main thing is is this um, lack of derailleur hanger. Now the big thing with this is uh, it really is UDH. It's been what's uh, the central to the success of the system. It just wouldn't work without UDH. And just to give context. Like I would say the majority of new mountain bikes coming out these days are UDH. But it's interesting to note that outside of the mountain biking world, gravel road bikes, while less prolific, definitely is sort of seeing traction there. Read between the lines, it's probably going to become the sort of standard group set design from SRAM. Now, it's all very well and good. It sounds very nice, Alex, in fact. I dare say it sounds like it could be very good. Is that indeed the case? What did you think of the first round of transmission group sets? Yeah, so uh, I was super lucky, basically. I got my hands on XX, uh, not the XXSL, XX, which is designed for um, kind of everything from trail to enduro, basically. XL is more cross XXSL is more cross-country orientated. Uh, I got, got my hands on that in September, and the launch wasn't until March, I believe, or April. I can't quite remember now. So we had six grueling winter months on, on the bike uh, with XX. And genuinely, hands down, it is uh, game changing. You know, it it completely it, it does exactly what SRAM tells you it should do. Like in terms of their marketing claims, what it does, they you know they, they, there's no discrepancies between them. I was super impressed with with performance. Giving it um, a very rarely awarded five banger, full five stars, which I know caused you no amount of angst. Uh, Alex, you're a man who is very, very rightfully critical of, of products generally and and a full five stars for the first transmission group sets. Yeah, uh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, five, five out of five. And it is, you know, it's so tricky because you're kind of asking yourself the question, what could they do to improve on this? And, you know, okay, plenty of people will be like, well, they could turn it into a gearbox. They could get rid of the derailleur <laughs> altogether. Oh, but, the old gearboxes. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, that, that kind of classic chat. But, you know, it... As far as a derailleur system goes, I couldn't fault it. I couldn't fault it. You know, we've done well over a thousand kilometers on it now, approaching fifteen hundred, um, which is another five hundred since since the review um, that I that I wrote on it. And performance is is like day one still. Day one. I mean, the whole thing: the cassette, the chain, the chainring, the derailleur, the whole shebang. So heady stuff. Tom Law, you've written it very briefly. Give us your thoughts. 
Yeah, I'll pretty much echo Al, really. It's, it is a really, really comprehensive sort of performance upgrade compared to the older uh, sort of axis drivetrains and definitely over mechanical. Uh, I know some people have said that it does shift a little bit slower than, than older or other drivetrains, which I do tend to agree with. But when it does shift, it does shift really, really well like really hammering out the pedals, you know, up a really steep climb and you're trying to snatch that last gear to try and kind of get over the top. I don't think I've ridden anything that shifts that well under that amount of stress. So yeah, Al's nailed it really. You know, it, it is it is a game changer and any sort of complaints about durability or worries seem to be pretty much unfounded so far. I still wouldn't recommend standing on your bike, like seems to be the silly <laughs> social media trend for it. But yeah, durability seems to be really, really solid. However, the big elephant in the room that neither of you have come onto is the fact that it costs a whole lot. It is a damn expensive group set. Coming in, uh, Alex, I'm going to pop quiz you. How much would uh, the group set you reviewed cost you? It's, it's roughly £2,800. That is outrageous. It has a lot of money. And no surprises. Yeah. The, tr- the group set has trickled down, and that's what we're talking about today. GX is some SRAM's third tier, is that right? Third tier? Fourth tier now. Fourth tier mountain bike group set. Um, and they've brought most of the tech of transmission down to the GX level. So before we get into anything else, Tom Law, remind us again how much it costs. So the GX costs £1,180 in the uh, in good old Blighty, $1,099 or €1,300. So compared to the XX group that Al tested, yeah, it's less than half as much. Yeah. And then looking at, for example, I mean, it's slightly difficult comparison is on the Shimano side being their biggest competitor. You know, they've, for now at least, certainly all but abandoned uh, electronic group sets. But like that's similar money to say what like a, XTR mechanical group set. Do you think that's about fair to say, Al? Uh, oh, that is a very tricky question to answer on the spot. Give me, uh, give me one second, and I can, uh, <laughs> I can get back to you on that one. <laughs> to give Alex some time to find his answer to that, it is roughly about hundred pounds more than TRP's new Evo Twelve drivetrain that I've currently got on test. So that's going to be a very, very interesting comparison, which is why Alex has very kindly lent me his GX Axis test bike for the next week or so, so I can get some back to back between those two. Uh, sort of setups because it, it is going to be interesting you know do you mm-hmm. go down the more mainstream sort of route and go for the SRAM wireless option or a TRP going to offer Very something high end and nice mechanical yeah yeah go really high end and, and nicely mechanical um, so yeah it's first impressions are it's going to be a, a tough one to call I think depending on your, your thing and Alex what do we look at for XDR yeah, I'm, I'm back from my travels across uh, across Bike Radar, <laughs> and uh, I, I reviewed Shimano XTR M9100, which is still their current tier uh, group set. January 6th, 2022, four out of five stars, and as tested, £1,125 and 94p. Okay, so, you know, that's to, that's in the sort of context of bikes now. I will say with Shimano, like, we could... We are just guessing here, but like realistically, they're going to update their stuff fairly soon, we hope, because it's been long in the tooth. But nonetheless, like for GX money, fourth tier, but electronic group set, you're paying roughly XTR mechanical money. So a significant saving um, compared to the first couple transmission group sets, but still quite a lot of cash. Now, tell me... And also, sorry, I, I just thought it'd be worth... Uh, I just pulled out my lovely spreadsheet for which I'm I'm, I'm renowned for my spreadsheets. Um, GX uh, is 500 grams, just under 500 grams heavier for the equivalent XTR. So same price, 500 grams heavier. Well, that's when my next question was going to be around, like how 
looking at GX transmission, how um, have SRAM saved costs and made it cheaper compared to the higher end group sets? Tom Law. Yeah, so as with anything, you know, as you're bringing stuff down in price, the, the sacrifice is normally weight. You know, there's generally a little bit of performance that might not be in this case. But it definitely seems that weight is the thing. So they'll use cheaper, heavier materials to try and bring the price down. So in the case of GX, the cassette is heavier. It uses their pin dome construction. Um, the inner cage of the Adralia is steel rather than aluminium. So just lots of little things that just, you know, they're only small changes, but those changes do add up to, like Al says, you know, a, a significant portion of extra weight, especially compared to mechanical on axis to axis. It's not too bad, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, definitely uh, more weighty. Than, than mechanical XTR. And the crankset construction is also quite different to the higher end group sets. It is, yeah, absolutely. So the XO transmission has a really snazzy aluminium crankset, which is like a, a hollow form sort of arm, which SRAM was sort of prototyping 3D printed ones uh, that you might have seen about doing the rounds of the internet. But this is a more standard sort of forged aluminium construction. So nothing too fancy, nothing at all groundbreaking. Still uses their dub system uh, with the big... 28.99 millimeter aluminium spindle because they love to make things different um but yeah the the weight is is the main downside as soon as you start to trickle down the uh, the drivetrain ladder and in terms of spec options alex how does it compare to the higher end group sets what are we getting in terms of options and cassettes and chain rings all that kind of stuff yeah so um it's it's basically identical um the, the only things that gx doesn't have um that the other ones do um, it can't fit a dub power power meter, which is the um, in-spindle one, whereas XO, XX and XXSL can all have that fitted. Uh, well, they actually can't fit it to non-dub power meter spindles, but you can you can have one fitted to one of those level of cranks. Um, however, it is compatible with the Spider, uh, so like the, the, the chainring uh, power meter. So if you are, you know, if you are after power but only want to spend GX money, then you can fit that. Um, everything else is is basically identical, you know, like the, the cassette ratios are the same, the um, the chain rings are all the same sizes, you know, they come in 30 to uh, 38, I believe is the range. Um, so there's not a huge amount to differentiate them um, in, in terms of spec. Um, the derailleur, however, um, as Tom was saying, it's made from a different, slightly different material. So the backing plate's made of steel on the cage, um, whereas XXSL is carbon and XX and XO are both aluminium. Um, and it doesn't have the magic wheel. Uh, XO doesn't also have the magic wheel, but XX and XXSL does. And that's basically the lower jockey wheel that the outer teeth toothed part can rotate on the inner spoke part if the inner spoke part gets blocked. Um, but it can all be upgraded. So this is one of the quite interesting things is the, um, you know, you can swap it out. The, the cage is tool-free removal. So you just... Um, you literally unscrew it from the from the P knuckle. P, I believe it's called mm -hmm. P knuckle. Well done, very good. You got your derailleur, um, yeah, <laughs> anatomy dialed. Yeah, I've been beavering up. That's for sure. Uh, swapping up. <laughs> so yeah, you can you can unscrew it. So you could always replace it with a posher one. Um, you know, maybe if down the line it gets broken or something happens, you know, just screw screw in a different one. Um, and everything else, obviously, within that ecosystem is is compatible with one another. So everything in the transmission system can be used with other transmission parts. I will say this is something SRAM's been really good at across the road, mountain and gravel side, where their intercompatibility between group sets really is 
better generally than Shimano um, or certainly easier to understand. Like there is a great deal of intercompatibility with Shimano, but I think from a marketing perspective and maybe like sort of tech documents, I think SRAM makes more of a deal of it and it's, yeah, it's easier to digest generally. Now you've kind of hinted at it already, but we have had this group set for a little while, not quite long enough to do a full review. You know, we really want to put it through our paces as ever, but we, I, I should hope that my shredders in the room and in beautiful Tweed Valley can give the viewer, uh, listeners some tasty early impressions. Um, we'll start with you, Tom. Alex had the limelight with the previous group set, so we'll give you some attention. What do you think so far, or have you yet to swing a leg over it? I have been fortunate enough to swing a leg over it, so that's basically been my existence this week, really, is, uh, yeah, filming and, uh, yeah, getting photo shoots in on the new group set with, uh, with Alex on Monday and then with the MBUK guys yesterday. So I've had two rides on the on the bike so far with with the transmission and it's very it's very impressive you know i've had a little bit of time as well on the first sort of introduction of it and yeah it feels very very much the same to me um the pod controller is the main sort of difference because uh, we're still not sure whether you can swap the uh the, the buttons out which you can on the higher end sort of groups but that seemed to be the only ergonomic sort of difference to me in terms of shifting performance couldn't really tell too much a difference. Um, obviously, it's difficult to tell the weight difference because I was on a different bike, mm-hmm. you're comparing one to the other. But in terms of performance so far, after two very, very short rides, yeah, it's uh, it's very impressive. And it's a lot quieter than old GX as well, which I have on my own personal bike. And it's a nice highlight to have with the tool-free clutch and cage removal. It, it's really easy. Like, we have a separate group set that isn't mounted to a bike as well and it is literally just a, a case of unwinding the uh, the cage and clutch so you can change it because it's a nice thing to have SRAM don't have the best reputation for their clutch durability although it seems to be better with transmission anyway but if you do happen to break a clutch very easy to change or upgrade down the line because yeah my own GX axis is feeling a bit ropey now after after two years so it's nice to have that option to be able to do that. Interesting. Now we turn to our Scottish correspondent, Alex. How has the group set fared on your wonderful home trails? So yeah, I'd I'd say um, I'd say blindfolded, uh, except for the kind of the feel of the buttons. Y- you wouldn't tell a difference between XX uh, and GX. You just you just wouldn't be able to. Like that, there's no discernible feel difference. There's no discernible noise difference. There's no discernible shift quality difference. Um, it's the same in terms of chain control. So uh, the full mount design basically means that the derailleur can't pivot on the B-knuckle, which is the main the main mounting point for derailleurs and uh, current gen, or sorry, access drivetrains, so Eagle drivetrains, which are the, the current gen ones, um, that they all flop flop around on the on the on the B-knuckle. And it's uh, you know it's a bit of a common issue. It's kind of a well-known and reported thing. Um, so uh, combine that with the increased clutch tension and chain control is significantly better um the only thing i'd like to address i guess is the the comment about um about shifting speed um so yeah you know if you're if you've got the bike in the bike stand and you do a gear dump i.e., you press the button nine times and it's in the easiest gear and it wants to shift nine times quickly if you did that with current gen access or a cable operated drivetrain so you flick the lever nine times quickly like that whilst you're pedaling at the speed that you know you you could pedal it with the bike in a bike stand. I reckon, and I'll, I'm going to go out and test this in a little bit for the <laughs> review, which will be coming, um, but I reckon 
your derailleur, your cassette and your chain will definitely moan about that if you try and shift eight or nine gears in one go. The new transmission gears, they do shift slower in the bike stand. So you will see the derailleur will go zip, 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 rather than um, having one you know, yeah. instant movement down the whole block. Now, this is controlled by the um, shift lanes on the cassette, which is specific places where the chain can is permitted essentially to move up and down the cassette. Because of the narrow wide teeth profiling of the cassette and the derailleur wheels, the derailleur actually knows where the chain is in relation to where these shift lanes are. And the derailleur has had its software mapped um, to know this. So it only shifts when an available shift lane is there for the chain. So if you've just pedaled past it, it's not going to shift yet. It will wait until the next one is there before it does so. So the result of this in the bike stand is that, yes, it does shift slowly. And you might think, holy moly, is my new derailleur broken? You know, there's a there's a massive lag between button push and shifter actually moving. Out on the trail, I, I've, I've just not noticed it. Like, you know, okay, I'm not like a, I'm not a Nino Scherter. I'm not an XC racer. You know, I do have like a bias towards a winch and plummet style of riding where gear changes are maybe, you know, less frequent maybe than, than mm-hmm. an XC racer. But um, I, I just I just haven't noticed there being an issue. Um, I, I'm frequently when I'm out on a normal bike and I'll try and shift a couple of gears at once, there will be a bang. There will be a thud. There'll be something from the drivetrain. And transmission just doesn't do that. Interesting. Good insight, Alex. I have to say, you really, really have got very deep into this group set and the other one. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's definitely uh, it's definitely all consuming. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm sure uh, you've got the SRAM tech people on sort of speed dial, so you can pester them with many questions. And we're very thankful for the effort you put in doing so. Interesting. Oh well, thank you. Uh, I'll put you on the spot. Roughly, you know, yeah, you do have to commit. But roughly, when do you think we'll see a review of this on the site, Alex and or Tom? So um, I, I was kind of, I, I did just over a thousand kilometers on XX, which I think is, you know, a pretty, pretty suitable amount to have, you know, to, to come up with my opinions. I'd like to do a thousand miles on this one. So 1600 kilometers. You're a monster, um, Alex. You really do do quite a lot of riding. Yeah, well, I do. I do. And, and you know, and that's for our lovely listeners' benefits. Um, absolutely. So, you know, a, a thousand miles, I think, is... Is pretty good. I, I know that you know anecdotally, my friends and my previous experiences, they're all like after after a thousand miles, drivetrains start to become a bit ropey. You know, like the the pins in the parallelogram begin to wear, and the the chain is really exhibiting signs of proper use, and the teeth on the the narrow wide chainring are becoming quite hooked. So what I'd like to do is is just push this. You know, really push it, um, and hopefully in the meantime, I'll also be able to do a thousand miles, which I'm close to on XX and then you know maybe we can have a genuine comparative section in in the GX review on those two at the same kind of mileage. Interesting. I look forward to it. And um yeah. Wow. Thorough. I don't think think I'll ride a thousand miles uh, in the next month, but there we go. You're an absolute monster, Alex. Uh Tom, any final closing thoughts on GX transmission? I think the the durability is the the interesting side of things. I say I've had a lot of time on my own personal GX setup, uh, which is kind of a, a mashup of GX shifter and derailleur axis with X01 cassette and an XX1 chain. So I've had about two and a half thousand miles on that, and it's had a horrible, horrible life. I'm ashamed to say I am not the best at looking after my bikes. But yeah, if this holds up as well as that does, then I will be suitably impressed. If it holds up even better as well, as I say, the derailleur in particular is feeling a bit ropey. 
these days. The chain is is okay, cassette likewise. So yeah, definitely interested to see how it holds up in the long run. And uh, yeah, Al's definitely been getting the mileage in to, to do that. It makes me feel very, very bad about the mileage that I put in, in comparison. Well, he is a very fortunate boy riding straight out the door into world-class trails. We always, always like to hear how things are in the Valley of Dreams. Anyway. Always perfect. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you have any questions on GX Transmission, before you ask them, head to our excellent coverage on bikeradar.com, which Tom Law has penned. We also have a full video explaining the drivetrain, plus some of uh, Tom's early ride impressions with input from Alex over on our YouTube channel, and both of those are linked in the podcast description. If we have left a stone unturned, of course, we are always happy, ready, and waiting to answer your questions, and you can send those through to podcast at bikeradar.com. If you have any feedback on the podcast, please send it there too. In the meantime, thank you to you both for being on today's podcast and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 